Hello, and welcome to the Park Baptist Church Podcast with Pastor David Blakely. Our goal is to preach the Word of God in a real and authentic way, so you are filled with the Spirit to guide you through life each and every week. To learn more about Park Baptist Church, visit parkbaptist.com. And now, Pastor David Blakely. This morning, I want to talk to you about living a life that is worthy of imitation. You know, a great need that we have in, in the world today are people and subsequently churches that refuse to compromise. That, you know, as our society becomes more and more um, unraveled, I, it's important that we are, are firm, that we are consistent in, in our stance and certainly in our reflection of the Word of God. You know, one of the major purposes of, of church is to be a place where people grow spiritually. The Apostle Paul says in Ephesians 4.13 that the, the goal of the Christian life is that we, we are pursuing Christ until we come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. That's kind of the goal. That's the bar that has been set. And that should be the, the ambition, the, the, the direction, the purpose that, that we pursue as followers of Christ. And to do that, one of the things that is very helpful to have are role models, people that we can look at and say, wow, they're, they're doing it right. They're, they're living that standard that, that I want to be living. I, I, I want to live for Christ the way that person lives for Christ. And certainly when we look to the Bible, we have a lot of really great role models. You know, you can, you can look there and, and see people that are regular people, people just like me and you, you know, they're sinners, they made mistakes, they did things dumb, but at the same time, they were used by God, that they, they were living lives where they were truly trying to pursue Christ and pursue that high calling, that high standard. And certainly one of the examples that we have is the church of Thessalonica. Uh, we, we refer to them as the Thessalonians. Um, aren't we glad we're not called Thessalonians? It, it almost sounds like a sickness or something. Can I get a shot so I don't get the Thessalonians? Um, but the, they, they were living a godly life. And as a result, their church was making a huge impact. And the Apostle Paul said to them, as a result, you have become an example to all the believers in Greece. So today, what I want to do is I want to look at some of the characteristics that Paul, Paul outlines that, that he is praising them for. And what I want us to do is you hold that up as a mirror and say, am I seeing me in this? And again, we want to live lives that are, are worthy of imitation, worthy of, of, of being role models. Whether you like it or not, you are a role model. Somebody is looking at you and saying, how do they live their life? 
And they're making, they're making determinations about their own experience when they look to you. As a parent, that is certainly true. As a grandparent, that is true. As an employee, that is true. It doesn't matter where you, you are, you are, are being watched. You are being observed. And so uh, let's, let's look at them, at the, the Thessalonians, and using them, let's, let's look at ourselves and let's look at us as a church on whether we are worthy of, of, of being followed. Now, in 1 Thessalonians, begin with chapter 1, verse 6. It says, So you received the message with joy from the Holy Spirit in spite of the severe suffering it brought you. In this way, you imitated both us and the Lord. As a result, you have become an example to all of the believers in Greece, throughout Macedonia and Achaia. Yes. And now the word of the Lord is ringing out from you to people everywhere, even beyond Macedonia and Acacia. And for wherever we go, we find people telling us about your faith in God. We don't need to tell them about it, for they keep talking about the wonderful welcome you gave us and how you turned away from idols to serve the living and true God. And they speak of how you are looking forward to the coming of God's Son from heaven, Jesus, whom God raised from the dead. He is the one who has rescued us from the terrors of the coming judgment. So in this passage, the Apostle Paul describes this group of people. And understand, these were new Christians. These were, were people who were not raised in, in a, a Christian environment whatsoever. They were raised in a pagan environment. And when, when the truth of the gospel came to them, they received it gladly and it transformed their lives. Now... The question that I, I want to begin asking you this morning is, who are you following? Who, who are you using as your example for, for life? You know, the, the path that we take has influences on, on other people. Just as there are people that you look to and you're saying, this person lives this way and I would like to be like them. And my question that I'm asking is, are the people that you are looking to for examples, are they godly people or are they people out in the world? You know, the scriptures are very specific about the characteristics and the qualities that the role models that we have should, should follow. You know, you look to people in the Bible, people like Moses or Elijah, Joshua, Paul, James, any of the apostles for that matter, certainly Jesus. And, and we look at these, these people and we see examples of, of how to live. Now, with the exception of Jesus, everyone in the Bible messed up. They, they did things that were, were wrong. They, they flubbed up from time to time. And so you don't have to be perfect, 
But what you do have to be is a person who is seeking to be obedient to God. Because what can happen is when you and I who, who make mistakes, I am a sinner, I blow it on a daily basis, but if you and I will commit our lives to Christ, that we will, if we will live a life that is, is seeking to bring honor and glory to God, God will take us broken as we are. God will take us with mistakes and all, and He will do wonderful, fantastic, remarkable things, not just in our lives, but through our lives. And so that, that should be an encouragement to you. You don't have to measure up to some perfect standard. You just need to be effective in seeking to be obedient to God. And, and so this is, this is where we need to start. Now, we live in a world that is very broken. And because our world is very broken, they need to see authentic representations of Jesus Christ. Because if they don't see it in you and me, where are they going to see it? You know, uh, where, seriously, where, where are people who don't know anything about God, don't know anything about how having a relationship with God, if they don't see it in your life, if they don't hear it from your lips, where on earth are they going to hear it? They're, they're not. And, and that becomes our responsibility. You know, most professing Christians today are not willing to leave their love of the world, to, to walk away from the, the good life. And, and as a result, they're not experiencing right, right relationship with God. Remember, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10, if you love your father or your mother more than you love me, you're not worthy of being mine. Or if you love your son or daughter more than me, you are not worthy of being mine. If you refuse to take up your cross and follow me, you are not worthy of being mine. If you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find it. You know, as a result of most Christians today, because we are unwilling to take what Jesus said here as truth, because we are unwilling to, to surrender everything and give up our life for the cause of Christ, we never see the real true work of God take place. You know, we, we never experience the, the reality of what God can do in a person's life because we don't, we don't want to be put out. We don't, we don't want to be made uncomfortable. We don't want to go without. You know, notice that the, the Thessalonians were imitators of, of others. You know, they, they looked at Paul and they looked at Jesus and they said, we're going to live just like he did, just like Jesus did. And so they were following the example of Paul and Jesus. But also notice that the result was it got them persecuted. And again, we today, we want to back away. You know, we think we're being persecuted because, um, you know, I don't know. We, we haven't been persecuted. Let me just say that. You know, because someone's threatening to take away our guns or something. That's not persecution. That's not, that's nothing. 
know, this is spiritual issues here. And so notice that when they received Christ, they, they became excited about what God was doing in their life. You know, Paul himself was imitating Christ. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11, you should imitate me just as I imitate Christ. You know, understand that you have an opportunity to, to make a difference. And the way you do that is by being a follower of Christ. Not just lip service, but a true follower. You know, those, those if you want to be a good example, you must be a follower, an imitator of Jesus. Also, again, notice that they were willing to suffer. And, and again, most so-called Christians today are unwilling to suffer. How about, how about you? You know, who are you modeling your life after? Are they godly people? Do they or do they represent the world? And if you were being made to suffer, would you, you know, would you back away? Would you say, ah, oh, this, this is too much. I, I don't want to have to do this. You know, as disciples of Jesus, we need to imitate him. Jesus, in John 13, it says, you call me teacher and Lord, and you are right because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. So there it is. I mean, Jesus said, follow me, follow my example. Over in Ephesians 5, Paul said, imitate God, therefore, in everything you do because you are his dear children. So if we want to be a good, godly example, we become followers, imitators of Jesus Christ. And when we as individuals do that, then we as a church will also be a church worthy of imitation. Now, Paul also praises them um, for the way they embraced God's word. In, in verse 6 it says, So you receive the message with joy and the Holy Spirit in spite of the suffering it brought you. Notice that, that they received the message of salvation with joy. They received it with, even though it meant being persecuted, they were happy to get it. They were excited. They were, they were basically saying, we are thrilled at what God is doing in our life, even if it cost us, even if there's, there's unhappiness that gets associated. And notice that the joy was from the Holy Spirit. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. It is something that comes to us when we are submitted to God. You see, the Apostle Paul spent a lot of his time in jail. He was constantly being persecuted because of his faith. He got beaten, he got whipped, he got stoned, he got thrown in jail. He had all of these bad things happen, and yet he was a guy filled with joy because his joy wasn't based on his circumstances. His joy was based on being filled with God. And so when the Holy Spirit is present in your life, you will have joy. I don't care 
what is happening in your life. If you struggle with having joy, with, with having peace, with having contentment, you know, if you were sitting here right now and you're a person who's saying, I, I'm not a happy person. I, I'm, I'm struggling in my life. I'm really, I'm really having some difficulty. Then understand this. The more you submit to God, the more you obey God, the greater the joy you will experience in your life. Period. You know, that, that is the answer right there. An important part of living as an example, living a life worthy of imitation, is that you receive God's word in the right way. I'm going to take, for example, right now. For all of you that are sitting here listening, for those people that are watching online, you are either receiving this message with a sense of hope, with a sense of uh, anticipation. You're, you're listening intently, thinking, boy, I, I, I'm, I'm looking for some stuff that I can grab onto. I'm looking for some information that's going to help me be a better Christian. I, I'm really tuned in. I'm really, I'm really interested in, in, in trying to, to improve my walk with God. Or you are experiencing some level of indifference. You really just don't care. That, that's where everybody is. You know, you, you, you are either receiving God's word with joy and anticipation, or you're just kind of thinking about lunch or whatever. You know, your, your mind is somewhere else. Do you take the opportunities to get into God's Word? You know, do you study the Bible? Do you open up the Word of God and say, God, I want you. I want a deeper commitment to you. I, I am willing to do whatever is necessary in order to, to deepen my understanding and deepen my relationship with you. You know, why, do you, you know, why are you here right now? Are you here because someone dragged you along? Or, you know, isn't that the old joke that when I first started going to church, I had a drug problem. My mom and dad drugged me to church. Um, you know, why are you here? Are you here to grow in your connection with God? Or are you here because, well, that's what I'm supposed to do. You know, I have to do that. You know, if, if you are lacking joy in your life, it means that you are missing the Holy Spirit. The, the Holy Spirit is either being suppressed in your life or the Holy Spirit is not in your life. You know, our, 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 our attitude has a lot to do with it. The sin in our life has a lot to do with it. You know, are, are you living a life that is in pursuit of Jesus Christ? Now, I'm going to ask kind of a tough question here. If everyone prayed and studied the Bible like you do right now, could a non-believer see Christ in your life? Do non-believers see Christ in your life? Are you making a difference? Are you a person Worthy of spiritual imitation. The, the, uh, worthy of, of being emulated. 
You know, if you and I are not, if we're not setting the right standard on how we pursue the Word of God and how we live the Word of God, then how are unsaved people ever going to come to know Jesus? You know, if you're not leading people to Jesus, then who, who is? Whose job is it? It's yours and it's mine. You know, and if we're not doing our job, then who's going to do it? In Hebrews 5.12, it says, You have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's Word. You are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. You know, um, did you know that right now you have more theological training than 99% of the pastors in India? When I had the opportunity to go to India, there were pastors. I mean, these are men leading churches who have basically no Bible. They have no, no formal teaching. That was part of why I went, was they were, they were trying to get Bibles into the hands of pastors and trying to, to pump as much theology as they could get into them so that these, these guys could begin to do some, some basic Bible teaching because they just don't have the access you know, you've said, you know, most of us have sat in Sunday school in some form or another for a long time. You know, the, the reality is, is you have the skills, you have the abilities because you have the Holy Spirit. If you have the Holy Spirit in your life, then you are prepared. You know, God will use you. You know, the Thessalonians were, they're not only just students of the Bible, um, they had learned from it, but they were also spreading the word. They, they couldn't shut up about talking about Jesus. In verse 8, it says, Now the word of the Lord is ringing out from all of the people everywhere, even beyond Macedonia. For, um, for wherever we go, we find people telling us about your faith in God. We don't even need to tell them about it. You know, these people were, were so public. They were, going, they were going out with it so much that the word was spreading far, far and wide. You know, it was ringing forth, Paul uses that term. You know, they weren't keeping quiet about their faith. You know, we were sitting there like, well, you know, yeah, yeah I go to church, but, you know, um, I feel like that's a personal matter that we shouldn't talk about. Bull hockey, you know, that, that's... This is, this is salvation that's on the line. People need to hear about Jesus. You know, and again, if you and I aren't doing it, who is? You know, they, they didn't limit their evangelistic efforts to just living as a good example, but they were, they were really talking about, this is what Christ has done in my life. You know, it, it, they were spreading it far and wide, they, in every place possible. Remember the great commission that Jesus gave us, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these disciples to obey all the commandments I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. This, this is our, our mandate 
As followers of Christ, this is our marching orders. We are to go. We are to, we are to be public about our faith in Christ. I am not saying that we are to go out and make Baptist. Heaven forbid. I, I, goodness sakes, we don't need any more Baptist in this world. What we need are followers of Jesus Christ. That's what we're after. And so let's, you know, let's tell people, this is what God is doing in my life. This is how he changed me. This is who I was. This is what I was like. Jesus came into my life, and now this is the hope that I have. This is the connection that I have. I am filled with joy because the Holy Spirit is making a difference in my life. You know, one day we're going to all stand before God. And we're going to give an accounting of what did we do with our lives. And God's not going to care one iota that we were the, the best sports star or that we were the best, you know, that we got employee of the month three months in a row or, or that we always paid our house payment on time or that we did this or we did that. That's not the stuff that God cares about. God's going to say, what did you do for me? Because I am the God of the universe. I am the top dog. And you owe me absolutely everything, including your subservience. And so what did you do as a sign that you respected me as the God of the universe? That's what he's looking at. You know, we are going to have an accounting that we must do. You know, and, and so the Thessalonians were, were telling people about what God had done in their life. And, and the, as a result, their whole church was, was making a huge impact throughout all of their, their whole region. And again, what, what are we doing? How, how do we promote evangelism? Well, if, if you're sitting here thinking, I, I really don't know how to do that, I, let me start with some really basic things. You know, first of all, you can pray specifically for missionaries. We have, in our own church alone, these are individuals that have come out of our church. Chris King and his wife are foreign missionaries. Ethan Huff and his wife are foreign missionaries. The Ridgeways are back in, in Bulgaria. Uh, they, they're a product of this church. Kelton Marsh is training to be a missionary. Pray for him. Matt Neely is also in seminary in, in North Carolina. Pray for him. You can support missionaries with letters of encouragement. You can, heaven forbid, send them money. You know, um, you know you, there, there are those sort of things. But then look around you in your life, your neighbors, your coworkers. Guess what? They need to hear about Jesus. And guess who the missionary is that God is sending to them? You. 
You are their missionary. So pray for them. Pray that the Holy Spirit will, will prick their, their interest that will begin to create within them a hunger and a thirst and a realization that they need God in their life and begin to talk to them about God. I, again, I'm not saying that you've got to be all religious and get a, a big, huge, massive Bible like this and bang them over the head. Jesus loves you. you know that, That's not what I'm suggesting. I'm suggesting that you show them love. That you show them that you care about them. That you begin to, to when, they, when they're talking about the, the problems they're having in their, their marriage or having with their child or their financial issues or anything, weave Jesus into the conversation because He is the answer to whatever problem they have. Look beyond your own self. You know... Romans 10, how shall people believe unless they have heard and how shall they hear without a preacher? You know, that you are the preacher in, in these people's life. You know, and until believers in a congregation grow to a point that we're making a difference, then as a church, we can't make a difference. You know, the, we need the word of God to ring forth. Now, one of the reasons that we struggle is because of sin that is in our life. And this is, this is what, what changes. Um, in verse 9 it says, For they keep talking about the wonderful welcome you gave us and how you turned away from idols to serve the living and true God. You see, they had, they had repented. That word turned means to repent. So they were worshiping idols. And when they accepted Christ and they understood who God was, instead of worshiping these pointless idols, they began to follow after the true God. And as a result, that brought joy into their life. And, and their, the Word of God began to explode out from them. There was this dramatic change. So what about us today? You're sitting here saying, well, we don't have idols. Oh, yes, we do. We are stuffed full of idols. You know, and, and you're thinking, well, I, I don't bow down to little statues or, or do anything like that. Here we go. If you... Watch the view instead of having your quiet time, then Whoopi Goldberg is your idol. And let that one settle in. Um, you know I've got to do this one. If Patrick Mahomes is struggling in the fourth quarter and it's time to leave and go to church, but you know he really needs you to support him so that he can get that touchdown in the last seconds. And so you choose Patrick Mahomes over Jesus Christ. Patty boy is your, is your idol. You know, in your, in your life, if your job is more important, if that's what your priority is, if your children are more important, if your grandparents are more important, you know, Jesus already said, you know, if these people are more important, you are not worthy of me. You know, um, anything you turn to to fix 
what's broken inside you, that's your idol. Sex, your looks, prestige, coveting things, self-reliance. I'm a self-made man. I don't need anybody. That's an idol. You know, if you, if you turn to a bucket of chocolate ice cream, that's your idol. If you turn to a fifth of Jim Beam, that's your idol. It doesn't matter if it's a little statue or night. You know, your idol is anything that you are relying on rather than Jesus Christ. Jesus said in Matthew 6, No one can serve two masters, for you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. Idolatry in America today is anything that we allow to distract from, to deter from our service and our devotion to God. Is your service and is your devotion to God hindered? Yes, it is. Do you look to other things rather than God? Yes, you do. You and I are idolaters. And let me tell you, God hates idolatry. It's the second commandment. You shall have no other God before me. And because we have this sin in our life, because we are idolaters, God keeps us at a distance. He cannot fully let us be in, in fellowship with Him because we have this ongoing sin in our lives. Now you're going to think what I'm about to say is heresy. And I might get fired for saying this. But what you ought to do is get rid of all of the idols in your life. You should... Disconnect your telephone. You should disconnect your television. You should cancel your cable services. You should no longer be watching any of the stuff that the world produces. You should never again get on the TV, YouTube, any of that stuff. It should be done away with as absolutely just be done with it. But you know what? You won't. And the reason you won't is because you love your idols more than you love God. And as a result, you and I will never see God really work with power, with conviction, because we have always held our idols in reserve. We will not commit to God fully. And as a result, the church in America, Park Baptist Church in Brookfield, Missouri, is an inept, weak, limp noodle. John says in 1 John 2, Do not love this world nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only cravings for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. And this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God 
will live forever. Forever. So the Thessalonians said, we are all in. We are forsaking what the world offers us and we are fully committing to God. And what they got for that was not pats on the back. They did not get praise. They were not on the front page of the Lynn County leader of what great Christians they were. They got abused. They got persecuted. They got beaten. They got arrested. They got killed. And when you turn your back on this world, the world's not going to be proud of you. They are going to hate your guts and they are going to attack you and they are going to shred you and they are going to call you every filthy name in the book. But that'll be okay because you won't be on Facebook anymore, right? You won't even know it. Finally, the Thessalonians were worthy of imitation because they had a hope in Jesus. When you're being persecuted, it becomes real easy to be looking for Jesus. When you're living fat and sassy in the world, yeah, you really don't care whether Jesus comes back or not. It's like, yeah, I'm doing okay here. I'm pretty happy with my life. I don't care whether Jesus comes back or not. In fact, I hope I live to be 100. You know, that, that's the mindset. But when life is hard, when the world has turned its back on you, when you are being persecuted, all of a sudden you're thinking, whoo, Jesus, come back today, please, because I don't want to have to go through another day like this. You know, their hope was in Jesus, not in anything else. In verse 10, it says, they speak of how you are looking forward to the coming of God's Son from heaven, Jesus, whom God raised from the dead. He is the one who has rescued us from the terrors of the coming judgment. When you're being persecuted, you're thinking, oh, this is terrible. But what's really terrible is when you die and you go to hell for eternity. That's terrible. They can only kill you in this life. In the next life, you can be in pain for eternity. I'll die in this life, but I don't want to have to be in pain for eternity. And that's the choice here. You know, we, we must understand the, the big picture. 80, 90 years in this life where things are not necessarily going all that great for us, where people don't like us, or eternity where God doesn't like us. That's the choice. Who, who are you trying to impress? In Titus 2, verse 12, it says, We are instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. We should live in this evil world with wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God while we look forward to with hope to that wonderful day when the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be revealed. We get all bottled up in this world and we get all, all sidetracked in the, the trappings of this world. We're being told here to live with righteous devotion to God. Live with wisdom. Pay attention to what really matters. And what really matters is not the stuff of this world. What really matters is our connection to God. Sell out for God. And when you do that, you will become a person worthy of imitation. And we as a church will become a church worthy of imitation. 
But as long as we continue to keep one foot at least in the world, we are going to be useless. Absolutely useless. Let's step up. We're not going to be perfect, but let's be what God has called us to be. You know, let me just kind of pull this all together. When, when we stop and think about our lives, keep it in perspective. God has called us to live lives that make a difference. We're not the ones that make the difference. It's the Holy Spirit in us. Our job is to be obedient to be faithful, and to be available. When I live my life, when you live your life, and you are plugged into the Word of God, you are submitted in obedience to who God is, and you are living your life reflecting that, your life is going to be filled with joy. Your life is going to be filled with peace. Your life is going to be filled with hope. You are going to naturally be excited about what God is doing in your life. And as a result, you're going to be talking about Him. You're going to be sharing Him. You're going to be on fire for Him. And as a result, there's going to be an explosion because the Holy Spirit's going to use you to touch lives everywhere you go. And He will take the collective group that's doing that in a church and he will, he will magnify what He can do through the church and they will have an explosion. Do you remember it said of the, the apostles that they turned the world upside down? When they were submitted to God, the world blew up because it, it was so overwhelmed by who they were and what God was doing through them. He can do that with us. But we got to get rid of our idols. We've got to turn our back on the garbage of this world and quit being in love with the garbage of this world. And we have to do that, we're going to have to say, I understand the trade-off. I understand that when I commit my life fully to Christ and I turn my back on these idols, the world is going to react with hatred toward me. There's going to be consequences, but it's all right because I know where my hope is. And I know that one day Jesus is going to return. And when that day comes, it will be a celebration for me instead of a day of mourning. Let's pray. Jesus, my prayer, my solemn, honest prayer for this congregation, for me, is that there would be true brokenness and true repentance. Father, break our hearts for the sin that we have in our lives. Help us to, in faith, take the step of repentance. Lord, help us not to even wait until there's brokenness, but to, to just see in our lives where we are sinning and to turn away from it and turn to You. God, call us, help us to develop a love for Your Word and a hunger for Your Word so that we no longer are, are at peace with this world, that we become hostile to this world as it is hostile to us. And that we, instead of, of being um, complacent in our sin, 
we instead turn to You. God, break us, please. Let there be true repentance. Let there be true revival. And Lord, let it begin with me. More than anyone else, Father, I understand my role. And I need, I need this every bit as much as everybody else here. Forgive me, Father, for failing you. I publicly could admit this out loud. I am a sinner. Forgive me. Lord, I, I pray now that you will move with power in our lives through the work of your Holy Spirit. And I pray that this will all be done so that you will be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.